Hello and welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. My name is Jason Smith. We have a special broadcast today. With us is one of our closest associates and contract lobbyist, Dick Carter. Hey, Dick. Hey, Jason. How are you today? I'm doing great. So are you are you a lobbyist? We've never actually officially talked about this. Would you call yourself a lobbyist? Are you a political consultant? What What is your exact, what, how do you describe yourself? Yeah, no, I would describe myself as a lobbyist, and a lot of people have no idea what that means. So well, let's get right into that. What is a lobbyist, and uh, are you someone who lobbies for a living? I am. Uh, I would say that a lobbyist is uh, someone who serves as an advocate for or against an issue or a policy, uh, an idea, or a piece of legislation. And they serve as a conduit between clients that they represent in the in the legislative body. And you're primarily in Topeka and work mainly in the uh, Kansas legislature. That is correct, yes. So how did you end up working with uh, the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce? Well, uh, it goes back to my senior year in college. Uh, that wasn't when I was working with the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce, but I interned for a lobbying firm in Topeka. Got a taste of what that looked like and, and really enjoyed it. Worked for a couple of state agencies and then in 2003, started my own firm, the Carter Group, and the Manhattan Chamber was one of my first clients. And how did you meet? Was it, that would have been Lyle, right? Lyle Butler would have been the president. It was. At that it time? was with Lyle Butler. Uh, I actually represented the Travel Industry Association of Kansas, uh, and at the time, uh, Becky Blake was the Convention Visitors Bureau director. And uh, she asked if I would be interested in submitting a proposal to uh, represent the Manhattan Chamber. So nearly 20 years ago, and you've been representing Manhattan ever since? That is correct. Do you have other clients in the region? I do. I've got uh, 11 clients total, um, some that are that are here in Manhattan. And, and I try to keep my clients in the same interest areas. Uh, so I represent economic development, um, business interests, uh, but I also represent municipal law, um, some higher education and uh, work with the city of Manhattan and work with Riley County government as well. So how does somebody get into this kind of work and what made you decide to um, go into this business? I think lobbyists come from all walks of life. Um, some of them come from their profession. Uh, they get involved in in public policy and, and want to be a part of, uh, of that process. So there's no, there's no particular requirement to be a lobbyist. Some of them are attorneys. Some of them are teachers. Some of them are former bankers. I had a really good government teacher in high school that really inspired us to be a part of the process, and that kind of turned me on to, to being involved in some form or fashion uh, in government affairs. And what was your major in college? Uh, well, it was. It did end up being political science, oh, okay. uh, but uh, again, uh, not certainly not required. But it was uh, a good basis from which to launch. Uh, we have you in a couple of meetings a month, and and but how how do you interact when with the chamber, and and what are some of the things that you do on a regular basis? Yeah, so I watch out for issues of interest um, to the chamber, uh, mainly issues that uh, would impact our business members. I report back to the uh, Business Advisory Committee on uh, current events, what's going on in the legislative process, whether that's during the, the session uh, from January to May or uh, in the interim uh, during the summer and fall months. Uh, we're getting ready for a special session of the legislature. To, that's just yet another, another one of those pieces. I keep them informed. Uh, about what's going on in that public policy arena. Even when session isn't going, I know there's quite a bit that goes on at Topeka. What are some of those things? 
Yeah, when we're not in session, uh, I work with clients, uh, including the Manhattan Chamber. We talk about what issues might be coming in the next session. Uh, we talk about uh, anticipating what a position might be on a particular issue, uh, developing those legislative platforms or programs. And so that's a lot of what goes on in the off season. Uh, it's a little bit different in election years. We uh, have a lot of uh, solicitations from, from legislators asking for uh, funds to help their campaigns. And so sorting through those on behalf of clients is, is the, other, the other thing that we do when, when the legislature is not in session. So what are some of the best stories that you have related to Manhattan and our work in Topeka? Let me, let me take that backwards first. I'll take the uh, related to Topeka. I think that uh, having been engaged in this type of business for almost 20 years, it's actually a little bit longer than that, but having had my own firm for, for almost 20 years, uh, I think the fact that, uh, that someone can navigate the cha- sea change of, of legislative ideas that we've had uh, over the past 20 years uh, is a success in and of itself. I mean, we've, we've gone all over the, the spectrum on, on issues and, and where people are coming from, but I think more specifically and, and locally, as it relates to uh, Manhattan, I'm very proud of being a part of the the story that helped create uh, revitalization in downtown Manhattan through some economic development legislation. Was glad to be a part of uh, the uh, the effort to bring regional jet service to Manhattan. I consider those huge successes. Well, of course, those are big in our economic development processes, and specifically on the downtown. That would, I guess, mean you worked on the Star Bond legislation and being, being having the capacity to use sales tax, state sales tax dollars to help uh, revitalize downtown. And of course, has been a huge success. And now some of those funds have been targeted to the new Art and Light Museum. So hopefully uh, that, that will move forward soon. But that certainly has been great legislation, not just for Manhattan, but other parts of Kansas too, as they've looked to generate new projects. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think often Manhattan has looked to uh, as an example of what a good Starbonds project should look like. Oh, there's no question that they talk about that all the time. In fact, there's some really bad star bonds projects that they would just as soon you not look at and, and, and prefer that they, that you look at the Manhattan project as an example of that. Yeah, I completely so, agree. Any, any funny stories come out of some of the work you've done over the years? Oh, I suppose there's always funny stories. It's hard to, to think of any right now. Um, you know, it, it, you never know what's going to happen. It's a little bit like uh, doing construction work. Every day that you go to the Capitol, there's going to be a new challenge that you face, and figuring out how to overcome that that obstacle uh, is is uh, those can produce some funny memories. I had a um, state senator one time who had been in who'd been serving for I think four decades by this point, and they tell the story about. He was sitting in his office, and this was I was in Oklahoma, and he was sitting in his office, and there was debate going on with some bill, and he was listening to it. He had a speaker in his office, and he heard something that clearly he didn't like, so he ran out onto the floor, and of course he gets permission to speak right away, and goes into this long diatribe about how awful this bill is, and one of the other senators walked over to him, snuck the bill under his nose, and kind of pointed to him. Uh, at who had who the authors of that bill were and he was listed as one of the the uh, sponsors of the bill and without missing a beat he goes I've told you what's wrong with this bill now let me tell you what's right and then went into a long diatribe about how great the bill was so I'm sure you've had those moments 
as well that you kind of all sit back and chuckle about something that happens. The, the well. process of making the sausage always produces some funny memory. So who have been some of your favorite favorite legislators to work with? I, I think the way that, uh, that I would address that question is it takes 63 to pass a bill in the House and 21 to pass a bill in the Senate. And uh, we have 165 legislators between, uh, between both bodies. And I don't really care whether someone uh, who's elected to office um, represents a particular party or whether they're urban or rural. You know, sometimes today's um, opponent is your champion tomorrow. But I think you do develop some of those friendships over the uh, over a period of time that that last beyond someone's term of service, and uh, and certainly over over the the period of time that I've been working with the legislature, um, there's some that I still continue to to communicate uh, with on both sides of the aisle. But none that you want to bring up and talk about. So is that is that what I'm you know, getting? You know, we like we like them all, and and you never know when you're going to need to work someone for their vote. That's a good point. And I uh, so I'm I'm not ashamed to say I'm, one of my favorites in just the short time I've been here is Tom Phillips. I think Tom Phillips is a very thoughtful. Uh, he's of course he's Republican, but but uh, not always um, in great graces with Republican leadership, and has since uh, quote unquote retired from public service and has been real active with the chamber and been a part of, of uh, some of our efforts as well. But I, 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 I think Tom did a great job in his, his time there. And, I, and, and we have uh, right now, we have three legislators that I think do a good job um, in, in their own way. And, and they, and they're, they're unique and different um, in how they approach things. Yeah. But. I was just going to say, I think Manhattan is privileged to have um, bipartisan representation that uh, advocates on behalf of the Manhattan region. And, and they don't get caught up in some of the pettiness of, of the politics that are, that are being played in, in today's um, political arena. And, and I really do think that, uh, and, and you can look back over, over history and, and see that there have really been good senators and, and representatives that have come from this area in particular. And, and in the past have been in leadership. It's always great when, when you've got someone in one of those leadership offices uh, that represents your community. And of course, we're going through reapportionment right now. And so we'll see how that impacts uh, our current districts. But uh, the interesting thing that I heard uh, because of the change in the Constitution where students and military are now uh, counted as part of our population for purposes of state reapportionment, we actually have 20,000 more people. So it'll be interesting to see how that impacts our districts going forward, particularly the Senate district. It sure will. So Dick, we're going to do something different with you today that we've not done before, and that's we're going to ask you to stay for a second segment. So hopefully you have time to do that. Would you have time to stick around yeah, with I'd us? I'd be happy to. All right. Well, we'll be right back on the Think MHK podcast. The Think MHK podcast is brought to you by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Don't forget to subscribe and like the Think MHK podcast on your preferred podcast provider, and you will never risk missing an episode. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. To find out more about today's topic or other chamber activities, please go to manhattan.org. And now back to today's show. Welcome back to the Think MHK podcast. We're here today with our good friend, Dick Carter, who is our a legislative consultant or lobbyist uh, for the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. And we talked a little bit of the last segment about uh, lobbying in general and, and specifically at uh, what goes on in Topeka. But I think we're going to focus a little bit, Dick, on the next session, which is coming up quickly. What are some of the key issues that you see the legislature is going to be taking up for 2022? Yeah, you were talking a little bit about redistricting, and that will be one of the key focus uh, areas that the legislature will take up this in 2022. Uh, and like you said, uh, 
we have, uh, there, there's an opportunity that uh, we could be represented by two senators uh, in Manhattan. Um, we've got great representation as it sits right now. It's going to be interesting interesting to see how that plays out. I think uh, places like Sedgwick County will probably pick up another House member. Uh, Johnson County will pick up three House members and another senator. Those seats have to come from other places in the state. We're fortunate that we've had a little bit of a, a population growth that we can count on based on the, the law that was changed. So that's going to be a huge issue. Um, as you know, uh, if, if you've been reading Recent news reports, um, the budget uh, it has been adjusted up about uh, $1.3 billion. And when I say budget, I'm really talking about revenues coming into the state. And that's going to fuel the conversation for tax cuts. It's an election year. And so that's going to be a popular topic uh, in the legislature. Uh, those tax policy issues will be everything from eliminating food sales tax at the state level, uh, income tax. They're going to be talking about property tax matters. Uh, again, property tax matters don't really play into the state budget other than the 20 mills that uh, that are immediately uh, pulled off for, for schools. But uh, that's going to be a hot topic. Uh, and then it, it's going to be election year politics. And um, there's going to be a lot of shenanigans that uh, that we like to say uh, will be going down in Topeka. At the time we're recording this, it seems like that the grocery tax might be kind of a popular choice. Is that something you're seeing or is that, I know the governor has, has come out in favor of uh, ending the state sales tax on groceries. Is that something you're seeing with bipartisan support or is it is it limited to the administration? Yeah, it's something everybody wants. It will be turned uh, political. Um, based on uh, who, who gets to it first. The governor has come out uh, with a proposal that, uh, that she will be having introduced uh, in, the le- in the legislative process. I think everybody supports the elimination of uh, food sales tax, uh, and we're talking about uh, food that is not prepared. So it's, it's the type of items that you'd be buying off the shelves in the grocery store. It has a large price tag. Uh, it's about $450 million hit to the revenues for the state, in past years, those were numbers that the state could not afford to give up. Um, you know, we just talked a little bit about the increase in revenues that, uh, that the state has been experiencing. And so this will be something that is politically popular uh, and, and makes good sense for the, for the citizens of the state. Of course, one of the challenges, uh, somebody that works in a community, one of the challenges is that does not eliminate the city portion of the sales tax, correct? That's correct. The local portion of the uh, food sales tax or the sales tax on food would, would still be in place. And so there there will be some discussion about whether that needs to be moved forward or not. And of course, that would impact local budgets as both the city as well as Raleigh and Pottawatomie counties all get a share of the sales tax. And so there could be impact if there's pressure to do that, um, as well as we still, as you we talked about in the last segment, star bonds. Uh, we are currently receiving state sales tax, and there is a grocery store in our Star Bond district, and so that would be another matter that, from a Manhattan perspective, would have to be worked out. That's true. Now, in the past, to address uh, property taxes, there have been subsidies to local governments that ceased a few years ago. Of course, the Raleigh County Commission is very active in reminding us that on a regular basis. Do you see anything like that coming back where you get a subsidy to the go- local governing bodies in return for lowering property tax, or is it just on, on what maybe the state would allocate? Well, it's been several dec- couple decades since we've had the local ad valorem tax transfer be in place. Uh, I think it's still in statute, and so legislators have to deal with that every year when, when budget time comes around. I, I think there's a, a number of things related to some of those agreements, especially there's, there's one coming up that uh, originates out of Atchison uh, in Atchison County 
dealing with the uh, the local uh, sales tax uh, special revenue agreements between a, a county and a city. I think that could have an impact on on the local area. So we, we talked about a couple, but what are some other potential uh, issues that may impact Manhattan or the region? Well, I think certainly, um, I, I don't know if uh, expanded Medicaid is going to go anywhere. That, that can be an election year topic. Um, again, I'm not sure if that will... Uh, if that will come up this year or not, certainly, um, certainly we will have to watch very closely redistricting. If there's any economic development legislation that, that comes in play, uh, there was a big bill that uh, kind of a big package of bills uh, in the last session that, that made its way through. So I'm not terribly concerned about anything related to our uh, economic development efforts or the the tool we call it the economic development toolbox, the things that we have in there that we can use as a as a chamber to attract or retain businesses. But uh, I think redistricting is big. The budget is big. Um, you know, we have the, the university here. And so making sure that, uh, that their, uh, their money continues to flow, it'll be interesting to see what they do on education, just K-12 education. Yeah. And of course, we always are battling for higher education funding because it impacts so much of our economy here. But one of the other issues that, that Manhattan seems to discuss a lot doesn't necessarily resonate in the rest of the state right now as much as it has here is dark store theory. Uh, you and I have argued maybe that maybe because we we have mis, misnamed it and maybe it uh, it needs to have a different name. But basically, dark store theory means it's a way of assessing property uh, that some of our larger big box retailers and, and and other commercial properties are using to fight their assessed value, and in some cases are winning and and getting their their property tax lowered, which in almost every instance is go, is just going to mean it's going to get transferred to other taxpayers because you don't see very often where people lower their levies because of that and and. and generate less revenues. And so that's something that we have focused on locally in Manhattan for a while. And you've, you've obviously watched for us. Any momentum at all on moving legislation as it relates to dark store theory? Yeah, I, I think that this year could be a year where, where we begin to see some of that play out in the legislature. Uh, very few uh, legislators are aware of, of what that uh, valuation term is. There have been no bills um, in the legislative process that speak directly to uh, dark store theory other than uh, there has been a bill for the past couple of years uh, on behalf of Riley County that would change the definition of hypothetical lease fee, which is one of the methodologies that can be used in, uh, in value evaluating a property. Uh, I, I think that uh, we have a, a very aggressive tax chair in the Senate uh, that might bring something up. We also have uh, a case over in Johnson County where the Walmarts, um, uh, have won through the Court of Appeals process, and Johnson County has asked the Kansas Supreme Court to um, hear the the case as it relates to uh, to the Walmart uh, valuation cases in in Johnson County, and so that that definitely could have an impact on anything that that plays out in the legislature as well. So maybe if something doesn't happen in the judicial system, there could potentially be a legislative action to help. I, with I that. definitely think we could see something. A lot of people have heard of metal, which is the relationship we have with Emporia, Topeka, and Lawrence. And and I know you were here when that group was formalized. Talk a little bit about what metal is, how it was formalized, and how that might impact our agenda for twenty two. Yeah, absolutely. Several years ago it became apparent that there were uh, at least a couple of areas in the state where those legislative delegations held together. Uh, for a specific area or a specific region, uh, and they were usually successful in their endeavors. 
And metal was born out of uh, a common interest in, I think, business manufacturing, education, higher education, economic development, transportation, and, and healthcare. Uh, and it's made up of the, the chambers and the communities of Manhattan, Emporia, Topeka, and Lawrence. Um, you know, as, as a community, Manhattan has three um, legislators with whom we have direct representation and a couple of others that, that, that come in and touch us on the, uh, the outside uh, city-county boundaries. But with metal, we have approximately 30 legislators representing that, that greater area of Manhattan, Emporia, Topeka, and Lawrence. And so we've had the opportunity to come together on, on some significant issues and um, weigh in on, on some legislative matters that I think uh, legislators have, have really been interested to see what that, that region has to say. Well, obviously, the thing that, one of the things that connects us is higher education. And so the two of the three major universities in the state are, are located in the metal region. And, of course, Emporia has a large uni- university presence as well. But one of the other things that we have worked on together and continue to are transportation issues. And it seems strange, I think, to some people who, who work with us about why we, we would jump in and support a transportation project in Lawrence or one in Topeka. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is connectivity to Kansas City is really important to Manhattan. And so uh, making sure that people can get to and from Kansas City fairly easily for a variety of reasons, whether it's interstate connectivity or or access to a larger airport or to the port uh, is really important. But the other issue is once we're able to get some of those projects funded, then then we can put one of our projects on there and get support from Topeka and Lawrence and Emporia to help us with our project when and if that time comes. And so those things are important as well. So just joint things that impact us all. Uh, economic development's another one that we've sort of aligned our interests to make sure that our spin on the economic development legislation is is important too. And, and we do issue a agenda every year and, um, the Manhattan Chamber will take the metal agenda and adopt it as our own personal agenda and then add uh, maybe two or three other items. For instance, last year, and you might talk about this because it was a big win for us, but last year with the uh, certification recognition for military spouses and, and other people, and, and that was an important issue for us, but another big win for Manhattan. Yeah, uh, one of the things that we've found, uh, and it's, I, think, I think it's really been taken to another level with the COVID pandemic, is finding um, workers, finding qualified uh, folks to fill positions in the community and the alternative certification bill that passed puts into place uh, opportunities, wh- whether they're military spouses uh, or or just other folks that have moved in, traveled in either from the uh, for the university or or just have moved to the area. Uh, there's opportunities for for those folks to uh, apply for that non traditional licensing, take on some of those roles. Yeah, basically reciprocal agreements. So if you're certified in one state, you're certified in Kansas. And, and according to our military relations people, we were one of the few states that didn't have that. That was a big win. And we appreciate you working on that, Dick. So um, obviously, the last two years have been interesting with uh, COVID. And uh, talk about wh- how that impacted the process, both in terms of just the logistics and how much you were able to interact and then maybe how it impacted the legislative process. Yeah. In 2020, um, the session ended abruptly in the spring. Uh, that was kind of when the, the outbreak occurred. Nobody really knew what was going on and the legislature uh, hurried quickly to pass a budget and ended the session. Uh, we ended up having a special session that later on that summer to deal with emergency management in a health uh, crisis or pandemic uh, who who would be in charge? And I think there was a little bit of a scuffle between legislative leadership and the administration. 
the governor's office on who who gets to make some of those calls. It's hard to manage a, a pandemic by committee, uh, but that's uh, in a sense kind of the direction things began to go. Uh, the 2021 session uh, began very quietly. Again, we were still, um, uh, we weren't in lockdown phase, but uh, there were no advocacy groups um, in the Capitol. Uh, you had to have a badge or a, uh, an invitation or a letter that you were testifying to, uh, to get into the Capitol early on in the session. As uh, the uh, immunizations became more widely available, uh, the, the end of the session began to look a little bit more normal and, and business in the Capitol um, uh, return to what I would what I would call more of a normal phase. There are still committee rooms that don't have uh, a seating gallery for folks to listen and participate. We still have uh, folks who testify virtually uh, via. I think the legislature uses WebEx for their for their client that uh, that you can zoom in on. You know, who knows what what 2022 is going to look like? I think for all practical purposes, it will be a pretty normal looking session. And we'll continue to deal with the election year politics that, that play out when, when we have elections later on uh, in, in that year. So you've been in this business now close to 20 years. How has the legis- other than what we just talked about, I guess, how has the legislative process changed since you started your career? I would say that it used to be very laid back. I mean, we're, we're Midwesterners and um, you might have legislators who were considered strident in their views uh, or beliefs at that time, we might have called them outliers. But but in today's legislative arena, I think they would be considered normal. You, you know, back then you might have had disagreements uh, in a in a committee hearing, but at the end of the day, you'd go to whatever hospitality event there was, and uh, everyone had a cocktail or dinner together. Sometime around 2008 2010, things things became very divided, and the mentality shifted to uh, sort of a take out the opposition mindset. And compromise turned into a dirty word. You know, the focus really kind of shifted from what was good for the citizens of the state to a personal legislative agenda mindset. And and I think we're, I think we're moving back uh, a little bit more towards what's best for the state. But we still have uh, it, it's pretty divided. I mean, we've got folks on the far right and on the far left, and and both of those small groups are very vocal. So not necessarily a better change. Yeah, I, I was trying to think to myself, are, are we better off than we were 10, 15, 20 years ago or so? Um, you know, we're still getting a legislative product through, but uh, it's not the, the general laid back uh, casual environment like it, like it used to be in that legislative process. Well, hopefully we'll be able to get some advancement in 2022 as it pertains to the Manhattan region. And again, uh, all of our a lot of our successes over the last 20 years has been because of you Dick and we appreciate uh, your help and and we appreciate our relationship with you and and all you've done to help us uh, particularly as it relates to legislation in Topeka well the feeling is mutual and I, I feel privileged to be a part of a team that uh, that has a vision and uh, has had some great successes in the legislative environment well thank you for being with us today on the think MHK podcast thank you Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.